Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. When it comes to religion, when it comes to um, our, our religious freedom, there's some stuff that we just do not want to give up on. And there's, there's stuff that begins to slide and slip away and we become okay with that. But we're not going to give up on these things. And this is what's happening here. The Pharisees actually for thousands of years have been worshiping God and expecting for this ruler to come who would be like their ruler, David. Now, David was the greatest king of all. As a matter of fact, he was the one who was, who was after God's own heart. He brought blessing to the nation of Israel. They had gone through some bad leaders, and they've gone through some tough times, and they had a, a king that kind of lost his mind. Can you say amen about that? And they had some, some weird things happen. And here's David. He rules, and he, he has this kingdom that is it's full of wealth. It's full of prosperity. It's full of righteousness. It's full of God's presence and grace. And as a matter of fact, um, David's kingdom goes on to his son Solomon and Solomon builds this incredible temple where they worship in and there's more money and more order and more excellence than ever the presence of God is there even the queen of Sheba this African queen comes to see uh, Solomon she didn't hear about it on Instagram she didn't see it on Facebook she actually just heard of the greatness of Solomon's splendor and she came into this temple and she was like wow Nothing has ever, ever been excellent and for God like this place. It is blessed. And so this is the, the uh, tradition, the legacy of the Jewish people. And now Rome has come in and, and, and through a couple different things. We have, we have um, uh, Alexander and we have, um, we have Artaxerxes. They all come in and they, they kind of conquer um, and, 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 and wipe out the Jewish rule there, and, and they, they crush the temple, and, and, and a, a certain politician named Herod rebuilds them a temple. It's an incredible process of what happens. So here we are, and they're in this Jerusalem area, the Middle East, and they are waiting for a certain Messiah. Now, the Messiah would be like the chosen one. It'd be the one that was, came from God. It was heavenly. It would be somebody who would, who would rule and reign like David had to be of David's family, would establish God's kingdom in this exact place, and then would basically create more freedom and blessing for the Jewish people if they could have a king to rule their nation again. This is what the religious rulers are looking for. And Jesus comes, as a matter of fact, he's poor. He, uh, I mean, when I say poor, I, mean, I don't mean like he's dead broke. I, what I mean is that he is not of great stature like Solomon. Okay, just a regular guy. He comes from uh, this guy named Joseph, and word has it that Mary actually maybe had cheated and, and gotten pregnant, and here's Joseph cleaning up the mess. And here's, so so when, they, when they say things like, isn't that Joseph's son? They don't mean like, does it come from that poor guy Joseph? What they mean is that illegitimate, illegitimate son that comes from that guy who picked up the mess with Mary. That's what they mean. And so here's Jesus. He travels along, around Galilee. He's doing great miracles, signs, and wonders. He had probably studied to be a rabbi because he was allowed to, to read the word and, and to teach in the synagogues. And, and uh, he, is, he is preaching like nobody has ever preached before. He is doing signs and wonders and miracles like nobody has ever done before. 
It's incredible the things that are coming out of his mouth. Everywhere he goes, people just flock to him. It's not based on religion. It's not based on some kind of thing. Like He's like, follow me, follow me. It's like they just naturally are gravitating towards this Jesus guy. And he, in a couple different places, refers to himself as the son of David. He refers to himself as the son of man. And sometimes even refers to himself as the son of God. Now, the religious rulers are looking for a son of David. Our word son would be like of the lineage of, okay? It would be like from the bloodline of, and Jesus is, he's from the, the line of David. He qualifies to meet that specific thing. And so they're all looking and they're saying, hey, you know, we need a, a son of David to come and rule and reign. And he's like, I'm the son of David. And they're like, okay. And so they begin to analyze and pick and try to figure out if he's really the son of David. Are they going to do what they want him to do? Is he going to fall in line and come sit on a throne and establish God's kingdom again? Or is he just going to run around in this dress and heal people and talk to children and, and do crazy things? And so they keep calling him the son of David, the son of David, the son of David. But they're not doing it in a worshipful way. They're not honoring him. They're not trying to figure out, uh, you know, if, if, if we can uh, figure out how to join Jesus. They're actually kind of pushing against him in a way that's like, okay, son of David. All right, son of David. Oh, yeah, we know that you're, you, you have the right bloodline, but are you really going to establish your kingdom? Are you really going to do what we, we know that you're supposed to do, which is rule and reign in this area? Are you, you say you're the Messiah, but are you going to really save us? It's the, the process of what's going on. And so Jesus just kind of blows their mind for a second. He says, you know, you religious leaders, you keep, you keep calling me the son of David. You know what I mean? It's like... Um, when uh, in the Princess Bride, when that bald head guy goes inconceivable, and Andre the Giant finally goes, or it's Andre the Giant, it's the other guy, Anigo Montoya. He says, "Why do you keep saying that word? I don't think it means what you think it means." And this is kind of what Jesus does. He's like, "You keep saying Son of David." He's like, "But let me give you a little bit." He's like, "Remember when you read about David, your great king? When you read about David in the Psalms, he says." The Lord says to my Lord, which is really confusing to us because it's in English, but for them, it means that David is actually honoring this Messiah and he's calling him Lord. Now, for them, David was like the epitome of, wow, he's amazing, he's awesome. It's like, man, David. It's like, even David acknowledges, his, acknowledges me as his Lord. I'm not the son of David, even though I'm from his bloodline. Actually, David is the son of me. This is what Jesus starts to kind of explain, and towards the end of it, everybody's kind of like, mm, this guy's crazy. But all the people looked on with delight. This is what's happening in this passage. Does everybody understand? Everybody's got this? We can go home now? Have a barbecue? Historically, it's powerful. In our lives, it's powerful. I'm going to try to show you. Now, our lives are marked by what we see. Now, everything that you learn and everything that you do, everything that you are, everything that you want to become is marked by a framework. Okay? You have a frame of mind. Am I right? And it's, it's a good thing to have a frame of mind. It's like, you know, it, 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 it has your outlook. It has your direction for the day. It's like, you know, this baby's going to come sometime this week. Hopefully it comes Tuesday. And Nick is like, no, my framework says sooner the better. Right? 
Like, you have a framework of, you know, a belly gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then eventually you bear the child if it goes longer than nine months. That's outside of your framework, right? When you, when you buy a house, you go to buy a house, and you gotta, you got to sign all the papers and the documents, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, we're going to close on this date, and this person's got to come by and look at it, and the next person, and the underwriting. It's a framework for everything that's supposed to happen for it to happen the way it's going to happen. Does this make sense? Your kids... They go to school for 13 years, and then hopefully they graduate, right? You get towards the end of the year, and then maybe you get a little scared, like, I don't know, my kid's going to make it all the way. I mean, it's like 60 days left, and I'm just finding out that he's got more stuff he's got to do. Or he can't graduate, right? I I was the person, some of you saw my post about me hitting the snooze alarm. Uh, We had graduation rehearsal, and back then we didn't have cell phones. It's just, you know the way of the world, okay? And uh, they said, if you don't make it to rehearsal, you don't get to walk, you don't get to graduate. And uh, I was recently graduated, and I didn't want to, uh, or graduate, I was out of school. I didn't want to wake up at 7 o'clock anymore, so I just woke up like at 3 p.m. It's fine. It's a completely new process for me. And uh, I would stay up all night till about 6 a.m. And, and carry on my life. And uh, lo and behold, about one o'clock in the afternoon when graduation rehearsal is about to start, I have this phone call, and I have an answering machine. Some of you guys don't know what that is. An answering machine is a, is a box that would lay by your, on your table, and you have the phone, and then people could talk to you. Like, hey, what's going on? If you're there, pick up the phone. If not, call me back later. It's good to hear from me. And they would do all sorts of cool little messages. Some of you are like, I, I know what that is. I'm like, you're old, by the way. Because um, Reagan has no idea what an answering machine is. Here's my phone laying here, and I'm laying here in my bed, and my friend Brian calls me. He's like, Brandon, get up. <laughs> Wake up, man. You're not going to graduate. You got to get down here for rehearsal. And he called me about eight times from the payphone. That's also ancient material. Uh, the payphone at high school. I made it down there just in time, and I graduated, but I had a framework for how things were supposed to happen. You have a framework. Everything in your life. And it's, it's really beneficial because actually when you're learning things as a, as a child, it's good to have a framework. It's how we, we learn things faster. See, that's framework for these lights freaking out. I don't have a framework for that. But in your life, you have a framework. You, you, like, it helps you learn. You walk into a room full of, of kindergartners. You're like, what are we supposed to do? And everybody's like, put your bag on the hook. Put your stuff in the cubby. And you're like, okay. Boom. And you have this framework about how things are supposed to go. And it helps you in life when you go to the golf course. There's certain things that you do and you don't do at the golf course. When you go to the hospital, there's certain things you do and don't do at the hospital. When you go to a funeral, there's certain things you do or don't do. You have a framework. You have a mindset it's a frame of reference because you've experienced one thing so you can experience another thing. Now, the religious people of Jesus' day, they had a framework. It had been established for a very long time. They had a frame of reference. This is how God works. We go to the temple. The temple is very valuable. It's where we sacrifice and we do great and mighty things for God. God speaks and, and, and our sins are covered for the year. It's our framework. And if a Messiah would come alongside our framework, it would be absolutely beautiful. It would be absolutely wonderful if God did everything the way that we knew it was supposed to go. We have a frame of reference for who God is. So here they are. They're trying to figure out how Jesus fits into their framework. A framework, it's interesting. Maybe you had a framework for how your relationship was supposed to go. Married at a certain age, now you find yourself 
way over that age and you're wondering how you'll ever find somebody worth their weight in salt. Maybe you were married and you got divorced, like me, and it was a shock to you, a surprise, and you found yourself in a new place, new process of life, and you really don't have a framework for it because everybody in your family is married and you don't know how to process divorce and how to fight and how to argue, how to work through things that other people are very good at. Maybe your frame of reference is absolutely chaos in the home. That's what you know, and so you take that everywhere you go. Your frame of reference for relationship is we are going to fight this out. We're going to argue. Maybe everybody in your, your family has been free from drugs, and then all of a sudden you have a child who's hooked on something that you have no frame of reference for. You have this process, and, and, and it's like the framework for your life is, is suddenly broken. The thing that was supposed to help you, the thing that was supposed to get you to a certain place, it was supposed to, to, to create speed and, and, and dexterity and pliability in your life. It was, it was all great if it was within this framework, but all of a sudden stuff is outside of the framework. So what do you do? What do you do when it doesn't go according to frame of reference? Greatest thing about business and, and, and entrepreneurship and trying to figure out how to, to run a, a company or whatever is, is figuring out if people can fit into your framework. And you interview people and you, you want to find out where they're from and what they've done and what their experience is in, and then you can judge them based on what they've done if they're going to fit into this new framework. Am I right? It's like, what's your experience? And they, they begin to tell you everything. So what's some of your good qualities? Well, I'm always punctual and I, I, I'm really full of heart and compassion. And you say, well, what are some of your downfalls? And they're like, sometimes I just care too much, you know. You can't even say anything bad about yourself, you know. You're like, what? Sometimes I just sleep till 3 p.m. and I don't know why. I just like, check, not that guy. But the more homework you do, the more checking you do, the more background, there's this thing that obscurity, it's, it's out there. You can't really know certain things, and things work out sometimes outside of your framework. Jesus comes, and he begins to blow people's minds. He begins to do great and mighty works. He begins to preach the kingdom. He begins to save people's lives. He begins to restore people's souls. And it's outside their framework of religion. But by all means, it's better than their framework. It's better than their frame of reference. They, they don't get it. They don't understand it. But as a matter of fact, it's far better. They thought Jesus was going to rule and reign on the throne physically in Israel for as long as he would be alive, and he would restore order, and they would find the next guy. Jesus was going to rule on a throne that was not of this world forever, and us today would be affected by his rule. And the only way for him to do that was to die, rise again, and create freedom for humanity. I don't know how that works. I don't have a frame of reference for that. But I'm a beneficiary of the goodness of God. Framework. Framework. Most of us are establishing our framework based on what we can see. Well, I know how to get my credit right. I know how to save more money. I know how to go to the child-rearing classes and figure out how to be a better parent. 
I figured out how to do everything in just the right way. I've, I've been to the counseling. I've said no to drugs. But what if there's places in your life that are simply beyond your sight? Here's the thing about sight. You usually can see beyond where you are. It's, it's awesome, really. It's like, because... Like, I was going 75 miles an hour. That was actually wrong. I was probably going 80 miles an hour down Highway 69. And I could see up ahead that there was a police car on the left with his lights on. And I thought, wow, I should slow down. So I started to slow down, and I got over in the other lane. And uh, it was weird because this cop was on the left-hand side, and I was, you know, my lane sitting over there. And... Amen, Sarah? Uh-huh. Uh, and so I had to hop in the, the slow, old fogey lane. Stupid driver lane. <laughs> I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, as I approach the railroad, uh, the Trussell Bridge there on 69 in Mosby, um, I, I said, oh, my Lord. Maybe in different words. I'm not sure. Uh, it got blurry. <laughs> Because there's a cop sitting here, but all the cars in my lane were absolutely stopped. Okay. I'm thankful that I could see ahead, even though I wasn't there yet. It's a gift from God. The Bible says that we are to walk by faith and not by But it's so easy because we can see so far ahead. I was texting somebody this week about their schedule in the fall because I'm, I'm helping them out with uh, their wedding. It's like, when, what's the dates and when's it going to be? And I'm, I'm starting to line up my year, and then next year in, in February, I'm going to Israel. Amen. Uh, some of you are going with me. That's pretty exciting. Some of you are like, what's going on? Some of you have to wait because you don't have the site yet. It's all good. Um, but it's good to be able to see ahead. It's going to be able to look at Reagan and, and go, okay, she's going to go in eighth grade, ninth grade, and now I've got to figure out how to be the parent of a high schooler. So we're having conversations now because I can see ahead, right? I was, like, I was, I was talking to Avery this morning. I said, Avery, I know you want some tattoos because you're just a tattoo person. He's like, here's the deal, Avery. You can get tattoos everywhere. You can't get them on your hands, your neck, or your face, okay? Or right in this region. You can have tattoos anywhere else. She says, okay. It's like some, some kids you just know, like, you're going to be covered with tattoos. You know what I mean? That's Avery. You have foresight. But when the Bible says walk by faith, not by sight, we really don't have a framework for that. It doesn't fit within our mindset. It's not really beneficial. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews 11 about Faith. Through faith we understand that the world were, worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Very thankful for that poetic piece by Paul. Through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. In other words, that our frame of reference is so minuscule because God's framework expands across worlds. There's things out there that you have not even seen. 
I don't care how many times you've watched Interstellar, you can't imagine what God has prepared out there. You can't understand it all. As a matter of fact, if I can see a police car and everybody is not is stopped and I don't see that and, and everything is going weird in front of me, every obstacle, everything, it's like I don't need to just see. I need faith for what is ahead of me. I've got a daughter that's going to this high school and I went to this high school. I know all about this high school. But this high school is different now than it was then. Every day is a different day. Everything is a different thing. And the only way that you establish Proper perspective in your life is to understand that God has framed everything and your frame of reference is not enough for what God wants to do. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, it says that the secret things belong to God. What, what you mean about the secret things, God? It's like, well, where your life will go. What will happen in 10 years? Where you'll retire. If you do retire, what will happen to your children throughout the years? So, so many times, like, it's easy to, like, be a helicopter parent. I don't know what that is. Like, go hang out at the park. Find a parent that wants to make sure their kids do every single thing just, just the right way. you got to do this. and blah, blah, blah. Like, trust me, that's not going to work out. I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I have seen all types of parenting. Two years ago, as I was trying to figure out how to be a better dad, God said, Brandon, when's the last time you were in charge of your kids? Really, when's the last time you were fully in control of your kids? Some of you are laughing because you're like, "Mm, you know my kids, or you know your kids, whichever. He said, Brandon, They're not your kids. Excuse me? Not my kids? No, they're my kids. Oh, yeah, God, they're your kids, and you've given them to me. He's like, no, I didn't even give them to you. They're my kids. I raise them. I teach them. I direct them. I'm speaking to them. I'm teaching them. So what am I supposed to do? Sit back and enjoy the ride, son. I don't have a frame of reference for that. He didn't ask me to have a frame of reference. He says, I form the worlds, I frame them in. Then he began to show me things like, remember in your life, and you just started walking down through times in my life, this could have went this way. This should have went this way. You should have been dead here. You should, just walking through things. I'm like, God. He said, you think your daddy did that? You think your daddy raised you for that? I don't know. I don't know. What's the right answer? He said, no, I raised you. The things you're learning, the person you are today, the things you decisions you've tried, decided to make are all things that I walked you through. Why? Because I framed you. I framed you in. You think the galaxies out there spinning around in perfect harmony that line up and you get to see the Big Dipper every night? It's like, what? Big Dipper, and then it's not there, and then it's there again, and then it's not there, and then it's there again. You're like, who, who do you think did that? I framed it. In other words, that God has a frame for your life that's outside of your frame of reference. As a matter of fact, it's the type of frame that holds the mold together. 
You can pour as much concrete in you, as you want onto the ground, and it will have to move until it hits the frame. Everything in your life for a skyscraper of a life is going up, but it can only attach to the everything else has to fall off. Only the things that are framed are the things that are valuable. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell to the Pharisees. He's like, check it out. He's like, I know you think you've got it figured out. David's your boy. And I love David. Nobody loves David more than me, Jesus says. But I'm his Lord, not the other way around. I know you think you've been trying to please me. You've been lining everything up so that you can do everything for me. But it's the other way around. I do it for you. I frame you in. I know you've been trying to increase your vision so that you can see things the way I see them. And God, help me. I just want to please you and love you and follow after you. I wish I could do better. It's not that way. I do better for you. That's God's framework. And you start looking at all the times in your life, you started getting a little weary, and all of a sudden, boom, you hit the frame. And you're coming over here, and you're like, I don't know, I, I should have been dead. Over. Boom, you hit the frame. And every time in your life, God is bringing you back to a place and you are so small minded, but God is looking to a place that he has framed in for you. It is more than enough. It is exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask, think or imagine because your imagine is simply framed in on your frame of reference. But God's framework is incredible. The Bible says that he's done things by his mighty right arm. And we can see things by his mighty right arm. But what happens when he's moving things on the left? You want things to line up because you don't see it. And God's moving over here and he's moving things in. And he's, you do it to your kids all the time, trust me. You got, you got that stash of candy somewhere. Over here on the left. On the right day, you're like, bingo, candy for everybody. Like, whoa, like... Sorry, there's only a couple pieces left. <laughs> I've known about those the whole time. Why? Because you framed it. God is doing more in your life than you ever thought possible. Here's, here's a couple things I wrote down. Jesus is going deeper than you are. Now, all of us want to go deeper in God. We want to understand God at a, at a greater level. It, it's... People ask me why I like the ocean so much. I don't even like to get in the ocean and swim. I just like to stare at it. It's weird, I know. It's like I'm a creeper just staring at the ocean. Let's go sit there. Somebody asked me what I did in Los Angeles last, was it last week. I went, what did you do in Los Angeles last week? I don't know. I, I sat by the ocean. I cried. I built an altar, um, laid on my stomach and fell asleep and then got sunburn on my back because I couldn't get suntan lotion there. I drove around and had lattes, and then I watched the sunset on the mountains in Malibu. Surrounded by clouds again, second time in my life, God whispered to my soul. The next day, Ryan came into town, so me and Ryan hung out. Had sh well, I had shrimp, he had a burger, because why not have a burger at a shrimp place? It's a redheaded stepchild. We don't know what's wrong with him. We don't have a frame, frame of reference for that. He likes burgers. You know, it's fine. Sit by the ocean and eat a burger. I hopped back on a plane and came home. Why would you do that? Because God's deeper than I am, and I have to learn how to say yes. People are like, that sounds so stupid to just go somewhere for 24 hours, 36 hours. Sounds stupid. Yeah, it does, but God's deeper than I am. 
God is bigger than you are. Every time you're like trying to be patient and you're trying to figure out how you can be more patient, God actually has patience for you. Every time you're figuring out if, if you can be joyful in this season or what's going on, you're battling depression and anxiety and all these things that come at you and those are, those are things that happen. And you go, I don't have any joy. It's actually false. You have joy. God is bigger than you are. I don't have any peace. I need to get a new hammock in the back and, you know, a new fire pit, maybe a pool, and we could sit by the pool. And trust me, when it's 110 degrees in August, you're not going to sit, but you're going to be saying, it's too hot to be out by the pool. <laughs> Nothing in your life is going to create peace in your life. You're going to have to rely on the peace of God because he's bigger than you are. You're going to have to rely on the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. He's bigger than you are. And you're going to complain, and you're going to be like, God, I don't see you working. I don't know how this is going to work out for my good, because all you can see is this hand, and all the same time, God is framing you in with his left hand. He's guiding you and directing you, taking to places that you have not even imagined, because all you do is walk by your sight, not by your faith. But it's by faith that he framed you in. Help me out, Ryan. And then, Samantha, do you have Corinthians? There you go. This is one of my favorite verses. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has ever conceived the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Now, when I was growing up, we used to sing, actually me and my dad were driving down the street one day in his minivan, and uh, we were just talking about how stupid religion is sometimes in church people, even though we love the church. We don't get that wrong. We're not against the church. But you got to understand how we are as pastors, kids that are growing up. Like, you know, we started talking about the stupid things that people sing out of their mouth uh, in, in, in worship songs. They're actually very dumb things that we sing in worship songs. And uh, some of you, I'm, I'm not going to go too far because I don't want to tear apart your favorite song. <laughs> but I can, okay? It's the curse of being a pastor's kid. Uh, and there's this song that says, um, Eyes not seen, ears not heard, what's recorded in God's word. Okay. Now that's on the good side of it. The other version of this song says this. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what he'll do for you? Take this verse. No eye has seen, eyes has seen, ears not heard, what's recorded in God's word. It sounds so spiritual to be like, well, nobody knows what God will do. Who knows? You know, God is God and we're not. We live in this weird place where we wonder if God is able to be trusted with our lives. And it goes back to this frame where we go, that doesn't fit in my framework. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. The human mind can't even understand the things God has prepared for you who love him. Next verse. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. It's the flip. It's going from your frame of reference 
to his frame of reference. You can sing, eyes have seen, ears not heard, nobody knows what God's gonna do. Who can tell what God will do? I'll tell you what God will do. He'll direct your steps. He'll order your path. He'll exceed your wildest dreams. He'll do more in your life than you ever thought imaginable. He'll do things exceeding abundantly. He'll make you a thousand times greater than you already are, just as he has promised. He is forever faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not alone. You have not messed up beyond your frame. You are framed in. It just doesn't look like your frame. It's God's frame. And it has been revealed unto you by his spirit. It's like late at night he comes into your heart and says, it's okay. He sings the sweet songs of freedom and says, you're free. You're my child. There's more than enough. I'm taking you exceeding abundantly. I'm going deeper. I'm going further. I'm going higher than you ever dreamed. Don't limit yourself by your frame. And it was the curse of the Pharisees that they limit themselves and they actually missed out on the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of humanity. Jesus came to earth as a man so that we could live with him in deity. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor can anyone understand what God has prepared for you. You start saying things out of your mouth and the people go, I don't, I don't think that can. Like you just kind of test the water. Like you ever think that maybe you could be debt free? <laughs> Who could be debt free? You're going to die with debt. You ever think that maybe God could heal that person? <laughs> you know, nobody knows what God's going to do. You know, I think that person out there somewhere among the 7 billion, 7.6 billion people on the earth could be exactly established for me, but they'd just live across town. <laughs> Good luck with that. You start establishing things. You know, I, I, start, I, I wish I could stand up here with this microphone and I was bold enough to tell you what I, uh, what I think in my mind. That I feel like God has prepared for this church, for this place, for this region. But not everybody can understand it because their frame of reference is too small. God is revealing to you his frame. Let him do it. Let him show you how he's kept you. Remember when you all you thought was this and then I showed you this? Yeah, that's crazy. Remember when all you thought was you could only, you could only get to this step and I took you all the way out there? Remember, remember when you thought you, you were just lonely forever and you were going to be right here and now you're married to that person that I had for you that you were just, you were just thinking about when you were 12 years old? got you framed in, boy. I got you framed in. I got you framed in. Don't you ever question my right hand when my left hand is working. Don't you ever question me. Don't you ever question me. I'm there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always there. I'm taking you higher. I'm showing you more. I got you framed in. The good news is, is if you're here today, been wondering how it's going to work your wondering is only in your frame the real question is not God how is it going to work but God show me what you see show me what you see sit back and enjoy the ride would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me
If you're here today, maybe you've, you know, this whole Jesus thing, you're like, I don't even, half the stuff you're talking about, Brandon, I don't even, I don't even know Jesus like that. Maybe you once knew this song very well. Maybe it was, you followed Jesus full of faith. Some things happened that didn't fit in your frame and you fell off the wagon. And you wouldn't even consider yourself a Jesus follower anymore, whatever it is. Jesus wants you in his family. He wants you a part of his life. And if you're here today and you say, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, we just raise your hand to me? I'm gonna lead you into just a short prayer. Just raise your hand, thank you. You're awesome. Anybody else before we go? Anybody else? Let's just, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord, you'll be saved. So that's what we do here. We just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. Let's just all pray that together. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. It's the beginning of a relationship, and a relationship takes communication. So you want to be a person who starts to pray. You want to read the word. And you want to find a church that you can be a part of, whether it's this one or another one where you can be with other believers to be part of the family. We pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people who made a decision to follow after you today. It's the greatest thing they'll ever do. Be faithful to your word. You said you wouldn't leave them as orphans. They're not on the outside, God, but they're adopted. And they're your very special treasure. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in their lives up until this moment. Take them further. Now, just keep your eyes closed. If you're here today, say, Brandon, I've been, everything you're talking about, this framework, I've, I've, last night I was talking about this. Just last week, I was just complaining to God again. I've just been trying to figure out, I've been perplexed about how to even figure out my life and where it's supposed to go. You say, what you're talking about is exactly what I needed to hear. Would you pray for me, Brandon, that God would do in my life the thing that you're talking about? If that's you, would you just stand up where you are? And I, I want to pray over you today. You're not alone. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. We'll give you just a couple more minutes, a couple more seconds. Yeah. Truth be told, I'm standing right here too. But God, these are your people. We have questions that don't make sense to us. We have things we've been trying to figure out. All we really want to do is just follow after you. And you said, God, that you would lead us and guide us. And would you lead and guide them today? Lead them by faith and not by sight. Show them how to be parents, spouses in this new time. Show them how to do ministry in greater ways. Show them how to make things happen step by step. Faith to faith, glory to glory. By your grace and your power, do incredible things in their life as they trust you because it is revealed to them by your spirit in special whispers and resounding thunders do incredible things that they have never ever thought imaginable fill them with your spirit in greater levels God 
infiltrate their hearts and lives and let them physically feel and know that you're there. In Jesus' name.